Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is the very fabulous Esther Bloom. She is an integrative dietitian and high performance coach, and she currently maintains a private practice where she helps women permanently lose weight, eliminate the need for medication, lose stubborn belly fat, and reverse chronic illness. She is also the best-selling author of Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. She's been on every TV show known to man, and we are going to have a very interesting chat about how to go through menopause, manage our hormones, and be fabulous. So welcome to the show, Esther. Esther, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Oh, thanks, Kate. So great to be here. Well, I am stoked to have you on the show because menopause has been on my mind lately and you've just written a brilliant new book about it and I'm excited to delve in. But first of all, you have written a lot of sexy books about issues affecting women, everything from hangovers to hormones to just being your best self. And why did you decide to become a writer? I really wanted to make nutrition as sexy and fun and reality Barbie-ish as possible. I wanted to teach people that they can live the way I lived, where you really were in the balance. You know, I would joke that I would have a martini in one hand and a bottle of vitamins or a shot of wheatgrass in the other. And, you know, that pleasure is really the best nutrient of all and that your body may be a temple, but who says it can't be a nightclub? Well, you are speaking my language for sure. And and talking about nightclubs and sex in the city, I was chit-chatting with my girlfriends the other day, and we realized that we actually couldn't drink like we used to and sort of got to a little bit of a two-drink minimum. What is going on with our bodies? So about 30% of women develop non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in menopause, and that can definitely impair your liver's ability to detox estrogen. But also, you know, listen, we are at midlife. We've had a lot of wear and tear on our bodies, and it's nature's way of kind of saying, hey, slow down, take some deep breaths, find some other ways to chill out. Let's get some progesterone in there, (laughs) perhaps. Uh, which is really nature's chill pill and just really center yourself and stay grounded and become richer for it, truly. And believe me, Kate, I am always in a cocktail state of mind. I mean, if I had my (laughs) druthers, I would drink easily two drinks a night. It really works for me personality-wise and just quiets my monkey mind. But physically, biologically, no, my liver would hate me and my gut would hate me. So I I did, you know, really dial into meditation over the last year and a half. I've really done it very consistently and noticed that alone makes a huge difference in stress, in that need to reach for a drink. You know, it's just a better coping mechanism overall. There is just nothing better than a martini, though. Really, <laughs> nothing, isn't there? Nothing. <laughs> and then, then I think, okay, I've had the martini. Now I need to chase it with champagne. But my goodness, no, there's no way. You can't mix those liquors 
anymore. No, I was I mean, never good at mixing liquors ever. <laughs> oh, no. No. So anyway, I let my lesson on that one. So with all these books that you've written, you finally landed on the menopause issue. And, you know, I'm at that age, right, where I'm sort of going through it right now. And I heard the word, I've worked in healthcare for almost 25 years, focused on women's issues. I'd never even heard the word perimenopause. Hadn't even heard it. Like, of course, I knew about menopause and it had this horrible stigma to it, as in your time's up, your body's changing, you can't make babies anymore, you know, you're done with as a woman. Horrible, horrible stigma, right? But then I found myself in this sort of perimenopause state. Why is it that we're not taught about these things? Why is it that this is such a secret? I think that women are so glaringly overlooked in healthcare. There's going to be 1.2 billion women in menopause by 2030. And the only solutions women are getting from most of their doctors, not all, but most is either Benadryl shots at bedtime. What? The pill or an IUD. Those are- Yes, this is why I wrote the book, because I was so enraged at the stories I was hearing. We do not, I always say menopause is not a contraceptive deficiency. Now, yes, you still need birth control during perimenopause. If you're still getting any kind of cycle, you do need birth control. But don't use the pill as a Band-Aid for menopause, in other words. Why is this? Because the pill, and I think a lot of doctors put women on the pill or an IUD because they don't know any other tools, number one. Number two, those hormones will suppress or control perhaps the surges that you're getting in estrogen, but a lot of women still feel absolutely lousy on the pill. Now the pill and the IUD are designed to suppress ovulation. They're designed to suppress progesterone. During menopause, when we're feeling that meno rage, when we get these like absolute bursts of rage, that is due to an estrogen surge paired with an absolute tanking of your progesterone. And progesterone is that very calming hormone that produces GABA in the brain, which is a very calming neurotransmitter. It helps with sleep at night, but most importantly, it helps with irritability and rage. And so that's why we're always calmer the first two weeks of our cycle. That's when progesterone levels are highest. And during PMS, progesterone really starts to fall. So that's when we get, you know, irritable. So what women need during perimenopause, and yes, ladies, you can start progesterone during perimenopause. What women need is to replenish their progesterone, to mm. oppose that raging tigress yeah. estrogen, which is giving us breast tenderness and weight gain and blood clots and heavy, heavy periods that are, you know, where you have to change a tampon every hour, you know, so I really wanted to teach women the solutions that are in place. Now, why are doctors so terrified or a lot of doctors don't know about hormones or scaring the crap out of women saying that hormones cause cancer, hormones cause blood clots. You're going to have all these terrifying problems. So a bit of historical perspective on that, uh, back in, I believe it was 2011, It has to be older than this. I stand corrected on that. But the Women's Health Initiative, when it came out, was a study done with women where they were prescribed synthetic hormone replacement for menopause. Now, 
the urine, it was derived from the urine of pregnant horses. That is not biocompatible with a female physiology. And they completely flubbed the data. And so this study came out and all of a sudden, all doctors were told hormones are gonna cause blood clots. Hormones are going to increase your risk of cancer and heart disease and are dangerous. So all the literature says that now. When a woman goes to get hormones, there's cancer warnings, there's blood clot yeah. warnings, stroke yeah. warnings, right? In 2017, and again in 2022, the North American Menopause Society revamped its position paper on hormones because the data was re-examined on that Women's Health Initiative study. And they said, oopsie, we flubbed the data. The data's not accurate. It's not correct. And not only that, but hormones are very safe, effective, preventing heart disease, osteoporosis, Alzheimer's. They're so incredibly protective and safe and protect uterine health. So doctor's offices have not updated these position statements and doctors still wanna put their patients on synthetic versus bioidentical hormones. Now, yeah. the other danger in doing that is that synthetic progestins do not touch the neurotransmitters in your brain versus a bioidentical progesterone, like a, a trochee or prometrium, which is a prescription name for a bioidentical progesterone pill. So we get women with horrible mental health side effects of crippling anxiety and depression. Yeah. And again, it's a deficiency in progesterone and or estrogen. So yeah. we've got to get women on you know bioidentical hormones, get them started during perimenopause to blunt the symptoms of menopause and help women feel better, help offset the insomnia and the weight gain and the insulin resistance. Yeah, and yeah. then we can make menopause sexy and you don't have to lose your libido and have vaginal dryness and gain weight and just yep. brain fog and not feel like your best self. Totally. Okay. So you are obviously a huge fan of pedestrian. Yes. And I've heard that a lot from the doctors who sit on our body board. However, I was under the impression that estrogen was queen. Yes. That as an estrogen is the answer to everything. And you're saying pedestrian. And is it a combination of that? Yes. That you should so, have? Okay. Yes. I'm just talking about during the perimenopausal phase, you may not need estrogen yet. Your estrogen uh -huh. may not be rock bottom. You may actually be estrogen dominant due to a progesterone deficiency. So you're right. relatively dominant. Yes, once you are in late stage perimenopause or menopause, then yes, you do need to bring in estrogen and you do need to bring in often testosterone too, which is a very uh, under-discussed hormone for women. And no, you're not gonna get facial hair and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, the doses that you need for bioidentical hormones are about a fifth of the dose that you would get taking a birth control pill. So these are gentle, very low doses, but the research is very solid on the benefits of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, which is sleep, maintaining the integrity of the vaginal walls. So you prevent vaginal atrophy because every woman atrophies after menopause and loses moisture. So it's really important that you remedy and rectify that also so you don't have bladder symptoms, you're not having prolapse or incontinence issues down the line. 
And hormones in combination really maintain neuroplasticity of the brain, support cognitive function and learning. And also bone density is key. You know, you can take calcium and vitamin D and all the trace minerals for your bones, but without estrogen, you don't have the same effect, the same benefits as you do with estrogen. Now, what do you do if you're someone who can't take hormones or doesn't want to, or you've had cancer, you're, you're scared to death on all this? There's absolutely herbal and nutrient solutions that you can take to fix your sleep. And again, lifestyle choices as well can go a long way. There's, you know, the herb maca has been very well studied and documented at reducing hot flashes by about 83%. There are adrenal herbs like ashwagandha and schisandra and rhodiola and holy basil that support the adrenals and also help with hot flashes because what most of us don't realize is that when we're in menopause, the production of hormones leaves your ovaries and stems from your adrenals. So Mm -hmm. you really want to support your adrenals with adaptogenic herbs. You know, when you talk about herbs, we really dove into Ayurveda, the Indian alternative medicine, basically. And again, it's one of those treatments or supplements, which it is, it's all herbs, that people just don't understand. Now, in your opinion, can you replace Western medicine like estrogen with Ayurveda and still sail through menopause in the same way? I don't know 100%. I I can't guarantee those results at all, but I think there are non-hormone options. If hormones aren't an option for you, can I promise they will have the same benefits? I don't know because I haven't done research studies on it myself or seen the research yet. I understand that a turmeric is a great herb. So lay on your turmeric lattes, ladies, because I yes. hear that it, it, is, it is very, very good for you. But just to get back to testosterone for a second. Now, this has a very ugly reputation, as you were saying. You know, you do think of a man, right? When you, when you hear that word. What does that do exactly when you take it? Like, just break it down in simple terms helps with cognitive function, it helps restore sleep and energy, and it helps restore libido. And again, the doses that you are on are so tiny. Most women Mm -hmm. do not have, you don't even have the caloric intake or testosterone levels to support the, you know, bulking up as women are so afraid of. Yeah. Here's the rub, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hormones should be delivered the delivery system is really important. Estrogen, you know, typically I see given in a bioidentical patch. Uh, progesterone can be a dissolvable tablet, which is a trochee. It dissolves in the mouth or an oral pill called Prometrium. And testosterone is a transdermal cream. I'm not a fan of pellets because, uh, and for those of you who don't know how pellets work, they are, it's a surgical procedure. There's a little tunnel dug out in your tush and they're inserted in there. Wow. Uh, It's really, uh, it's quite something. And there's no clinical studies on pellets. You cannot regulate or tweak the delivery dose. So you can get a massive uptake initially. So you're kind of jacked up and feeling really great. And the minute those levels start to decline, you feel as if you're going into withdrawal, even though they're still way higher than the baseline. 
And for many of my women who've done that, they have tremendous side effects. They've gained, you know, what feels like 10 pounds or what is 10 pounds, what feels like overnight. They feel really bloated, unhappy, you know, irritable. So, and then they have to wait three to six months for those hormones to flush out. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're using gentle delivery systems, then, I mean, you can really microdose and tweak your doses. For example, you know, I, I was just talking to my doctor prior to this. I have all my progesterone cream. This is a topical cream I'm using right now, you know, and I can literally microdose it to the CC. You know, I, I can change my progesterone trochee dose by a quarter tablet. So it's much easier to customize and they'll flush out of you very quickly if you don't tolerate mm. them. You know what, Esther, as you're speaking, I am thinking about how inadequate our healthcare medical system is for women. And you did say that in the beginning of our conversation. I almost feel like they are not taught at medical school about these things. Because when I went to my doctor, she then just immediately referred me back to the gynecologist. The gynecologist had absolutely no clue. I could tell. She was just like, well, do you want some pills? She couldn't explain anything to me. It was just a terrible experience. So thank you for writing this book. And thank you for spelling it out in simple terms, because doctors just don't know. And it is infuriating. And I read somewhere the other day that the menopause marketplace out there is now worth something like $60 billion or trillion dollars. It's up there in the lots of zeros. Um, because of this, there is just not the right help out there. Why on earth is that? All right. So this is going to be like a little therapy session because I'm still very much processing it. A dear friend of mine we became friends when he was a medical resident at Beth Israel and I was a dietitian there. This was the first five years of my career were in hospitals before I went rogue mm -hmm. and went functional. I said to him, you know, and he would refer patients to me and I would say, why is it that you will do the blood test that I recommend for everyone, but other doctors won't? And he said, well, I do them for you, but I would never do them for anyone else because A, if a doctor runs tests they don't normally run and the tests are abnormal, then they're responsible and have to follow up on that. So that is horror story number one. Then it gets even better. <laughs> hmm. Second half of the story was, I said, why are doctors not paying any attention to diet and nutrients? He said, because there are no good clinical studies on nutrients out there. I said, hello. Have you heard of functional medicine? Have you heard of Dr. Jeffrey Bland? Have you heard of Dr. Andrew Weil? He said, those studies are not valid enough to make it into the medical school curriculum. So you can go ahead and practice nutrition all you want, but don't call it evidence-based medicine. Wow. Wow. Isn't that horrible? And yeah. I was like, I, it felt like a punch in the gut. Yeah. It was so, yeah. and, and that's exactly why I left the hospital because the only way we're gonna change the system as women is if every woman walks into their doctor's office with the studies. And I put those yeah. studies, by the way, in the back of my book so that yeah. women can say, why don't you start doing a little research? Because think about it this way. 10 years ago, did you see gluten-free on the menus everywhere? We, at least in, in the States, we did not, maybe other countries, but 
We did not see gluten-free on the menus. We did not, you could not buy organic foods in Walmart. That is due to consumer demand. So when women demand it and say, this treatment is garbage, you're not gonna do better for me. When you're right in front of a doctor and it's, listen, it's scary to challenge a white coat. I'm not always comfortable doing it. So bring a friend, bring an advocate, or just say, you know, here's a book. You, You should really read these studies. And if not, you know, I would say just find a new doctor because for every doctor, here's the good news, people, is for every doctor who is not going to prescribe bioidentical hormones, there are thousands more out there who will. And I always connect my clients to those doctors. I vet them very carefully. Mm -hmm. And yes, often they're not covered by insurance. Neither am I. But I'm telling you, the peace of mind you get to not fight with your doctor and to get exquisite medical care will ultimately save you time. You will get your quality of life back. Yeah. And you'll spend the same amount anyway, going to five different doctors versus like, just go to one. I learned years ago, like I really don't do insurance doctors unless I've got the sniffles or something. Well, also, you know, menopause can last up to 10 years, right? So you don't not want these symptoms for 10 years. So I agree. Uh, Health is wealth. Okay, I've got a couple more questions. Now, you you started talking about gut and nutrition and gluten. First of all, why is it that we even need gluten-free products? As in, what does gluten do to us? Now, I feel like it's stomach bloating. I feel like it's irritable bowel. But tell us what the deal is with gluten and will it change our lives if we go gluten-free? So the issue, believe it or not, is not the gluten problem. It's the glyphosate problem. And it's how the gluten-containing grains are treated in this country and sprayed heavily with pesticides and are genetically modified. Our gluten in the wheat in this country has been genetically modified since the 80s where we used to grow these very tall wheat plants. And now they're much shorter to, you know, harvest them quicker. You know, grains used to be threshed and soaked and fermented and handled in a way to make the gluten more digestible. That happens in other countries. So I have clients who are celiac or Crohn's or really, really gluten intolerant, and they'll go to Italy and be able to eat some bread or pasta there and not have the issue. So it's actually, you know, gluten in itself isn't evil. It's just even here, even organic gluten, it's not tolerated well as it is in other countries. Mm. So the processing isn't as quality. Mm. Now, organic Mm -hmm. organic, organic, organic. You go into Whole Foods, you cannot get out of there without spending $100. Is it really organic? Like, I don't know. And how will that improve our lives? And and how will that help our guts? And how will that help us to really get through menopause? Well, it certainly reduces the the pesticide load. If if it's labeled organic, yes, it has to be. It has to be. You know, it absolutely has to be. However, a lot of fields that are not organic are located right next to organic fields. So pesticides are airborne, you know, they're often dropped from airplanes. It's going to diffuse into the other products. I mean, I can tell because look, I buy organic strawberries at the grocery store at Trader Joe's and they don't get mold on them as quickly as the strawberries I buy from the farmer's market. 
So there's still something, some solution on there, some type of preservative. Yeah, I believe it. Dr. Mercola, I think, wrote uh, articles about it. So it's good, better, best. I mean, best is grow your own and get farmer's market. Better is certainly organic because you are going to reduce your pesticide load. And, and good is just, okay, I'm just going to eat still real foods that may have some pesticides, but they're still not processed. They're still in the mm. outer aisles of a grocery store and are still the most nutrient dense. And, you know, studies I've seen often on the benefits of fruits and vegetables are not necessarily done on organic vegetables and fruits. But I do know that, you know, the nutrient content is better. Typically, the environmental impact is significantly less using organic Mm -hmm. as well. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think about me. A colleague of mine, you know, I was saying, oh, I never buy organic bananas. And she's like, you should. You should spend that extra 10 cents because the pesticides where bananas are grown are often near schools, like kids' schools. And the kids have all these pesticides around them and like just go with, and ever since then, I have bought only organic bananas because I'm like, oh, these poor kids. So it does have a a greater impact. Yeah. I I just feel like you go into that vegetable and fruit section of Whole Foods and everything looks perfect, right? Like your organic grapes are all the same size and bright green. And I'm like, how, look, I grow herbs and fruits and vegetables in my garden. They are not perfect. Let me tell you, they are very imperfect. What you get from the farmer's market is not what you get in Whole Foods where it says organic. I'm sorry, but I think if you were to look under the hood of the car, you would find that, I don't know, you know, maybe they're grown in a greenhouse and nurtured and who knows, but I don't know. I'm still skeptical. I'm very skeptical. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, Let's get back to uh, sexy menopause for a second. And let's talk about sex because the number one thing that we get at the body agency is people complaining about dryness. And we've already covered, you know, with HRT, we can avoid that. But often our state of mind is also affected, right? When we're going through menopause, but we're just not feeling as sexy as we used to. Many factors contribute to that. The weight gain, the no sleep, the night sweats, the bloating, all of this can affect it. I, however, have not been affected. Uh, Don't wish to brag, but I have to say that I think there's something that comes with maturity also that can make you feel the best that you've ever felt sexually. And I believe a lot of it is mindset, right? As in, you've got this confidence, you're taking on the world, you suffer no fools. You can be the best that you can possibly be at this age. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, a freaking men to that. Yes, I agree with you. I feel like the 50s are just the most blissfully unapologetic. Yeah. Speaking your truth decade. Physically, though, yes, if you're having a lot of physical changes and vaginal dryness, definitely, you know, work with your doctor to get treated. Now, if you lube, don't... Lube, 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 Hydrate lube. and moisturize, right? Yeah. You can use... There's so many amazing things you can use intravaginally that stay localized. So even if you're afraid of hormones, what uh, there have been research studies to show... If you're using vaginal estriol, it stays localized. It does not change any of your blood levels at all. So what you can put up there vaginally, right? You could put in estriol. 
you can put in DHEA, which is also a form of hormone replenishment and is very beneficial for the adrenals, but it also restores libido. You can use testosterone intravaginally, and you can use topical oxytocin, which is, I have not, but I have a colleague who did, and she's like, I have never had fiercer orgasms in my entire life. Really? Now, I know. I'm like, I got to give that yeah. a try. Yeah. Where'd you get that? Where'd you, you know, get that? she got it from her prescribing doctor, which I thought was so fascinating. I'm going to have to personally research that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But listen, again, if you're like, I do not want to do hormones, there are laser treatments. There's the FemTouch. There's the Mona Lisa. There, I list all of them. And... It's laser treatments. Yeah, and I've about this. Mm -hmm. Those also restore collagen, restore mm. hydration. Mm. And you really need a couple touch-ups a year after your treatments, and that's it. It's really gentle. It's about 10 minutes of treatment. Mm. And that can work absolute wonders for you. Mm. So you want to make sure, too, you know, another great person to work with, I call mine my vagician. <laughs> I really love a good pelvic floor assessment to see are your muscles weak? Because if you have a weak pelvic floor, it can be harder to climax and orgasm. Yep. So, yep. or if you're hypertonic, if you're too tight, like I'm a total clencher, I hold all my stress in my pelvic floor. And so you want to make sure that you're releasing those trigger points and getting the walls to relax so you can empty your bladder completely. You're not up mm. many times a night mm. peeing, but also again, penetration is comfortable. Now, the other thing I recommend is a good vibrator as well. Yes, now you're talking my language. Yeah, I mean, externally, right? If you're having painful sex, you know, clitorally, you can still enjoy, I would say, be the clitorist of your own domain. Like, really, you can still rock out your orgasms. You can play with your partner. You can play with yourself yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, the last thing you may feel like doing is having an orgasm at that point, but it can be very effective way to maintain the strength and flexibility of the vaginal walls too. Mm -hmm. You know, everything you're saying makes so much sense to me. And I am such a huge fan of the vibrator. And actually, we just discovered at the Body Agency this fantastic vibrator that was has been designed especially for menopausal women women. Oh. Yeah, it's called Taboo. You can get it at the Body Agency. They are my people. I'm oh, totally okay. partnering with them. I oh. love Taboo. Yes. Okay. We love Taboo. Love and Taboo. Yes. As, as you know, it heats up and it is absolutely designed for menopausal women. So do not walk, run and go and get this thing because it's fantastic. Yes. It comes with, comes with some really good lube as well. And by the way, there's also, we don't sell them, but there's also these devices that you can heat up lube, which also adds to the sensation. But yes. vibrators, vibrators, vibrators. I mean, yes. you know, and people are often embarrassed, right? Because, yeah. you know, look, they called it taboo because it's still taboo. There's still stigma. Communicate with your partner. Tell him what's going on and, you know, have some fun with it. But yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's it's essential and you can get the job done. And it doesn't mean that your partner's not good at sex. It means that our bodies are changing. It means that it's easier for us to have an orgasm with some help, with the friction. 
So yeah, huge advocate. I'm so glad you brought that up. Huge. I mean, and my, you know, it's funny, my husband and I, I, I did the Goop podcast and he listened to it and he said, I didn't know sex was painful for you. I said, yeah. I've got it. I've got it covered. But, you know, and it really cracked open our conversations around it. And the more we share with our men, it feels like really vulnerable if you're not used to sharing that. But let get your partner engaged and be yeah. like, listen, I've thought of ways we can have more fun because it might really turn your partner on yeah. to watch you yeah. with a vibrator yeah. or to hold the vibrator and pleasure you that way. And yeah. you can certainly pleasure him a million ways till Sunday. So, you know, it can really open up the intimacy and deepen your communication and relationship. You know, this is a whole different subject for a whole different podcast, and maybe we should do a session on this, but <laughs> we are programmed as girls and women to pleasure men and for it to all be about the man, right? And, you know, to get back to Sex in the City, that show really changed things for women all over the world because, you know, Samantha and her delicious antics, you know, really taught us that that we need to take our pleasure back, right? I think a lot of men, and I'm sure your husband has said the same thing to you, but if we are having pleasure, that turns them on. And we have to stop thinking about what's turning them on because guess what? They're turned on, right? No, they, exactly. They're turned on, right? A few little thrusts and they're good, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that doesn't necessarily work for us. We need more stimulation. Right. I think it's like something like 75% of women do not achieve orgasm from intercourse alone, right. right? So we have to take back our pleasure. We really do. And be able to communicate with our partners and, and tell them what we want and need. And it's liberating. It's Amen. liberating. Just that switch in your head. Like you don't have to think about the man 98% of the time that you are intimate, right? Like think yeah. about yourself. Think about yourself. That's right. And, and you know, teaching, again, teaching them like your erogenous zones where, you know, what is pleasurable for you is really important. Like there's nothing greater than a woman taking ownership of her own orgasm and her own pleasure. And I agree. I mean, men are much more turned on. If women are just lying there and not enjoying themselves or not feeling safe or comfortable, no, that's not, no man wants that. That's not the goal. The goal is to really have it be a mutually satisfying experience. And also ladies, if you're a lot of women in menopause, you know, gain weight. And if you're not feeling comfortable, you can get under the sheets. You can, I mean, candlelight does a lot of beautiful lighting, or you can wear a nightie that makes you feel sexy and beautiful. Whatever works for you, you don't have to be naked if you're not comfortable. So mm. just feel safe, you know, and, and take back your power. Don't give it away. And Take it back. I think also today's society and pop culture and the Kardashians, God forbid, have us thinking that we need to look a certain way and we need to be perfect, right? We need to be skinny. We need to have big boobs. We need a big butt and a tiny little waist and this and that. Ultimately, men actually really don't care. No. <laughs> you know, they don't care. I mean, of course they want from head to toe aesthetically 
pleasing. But ultimately, we are way too self-conscious about the way we look. And totally. again, it's a mindset. If you can shift it and be healthy and do all these things that Esther is telling us to do, you know, we're going to be in a better place. First of all, tell our listeners if they can follow you on Instagram. Like, how do we learn more from you? Like, what are all your, like, handles? <laughs> so you can go to Gorgeous Esther on Instagram. And you can go to, if you would like to get on my list, the pre-notification list for my book, you can go to estherblum.com forward slash cocktail and download my free Happy Hormone Cocktail Guide to get you started. Excellent. And your book is called See You Later, Ovulator. It <laughs> Have is. I got that right? It is. It is. Well, I very much look forward to reading it with a martini in hand, one. <laughs> one martini in hand. And I'm also excited to read your other book, Cave Women Don't Get Fat. That's the name, right? And, name. and it's all about paleo and, you know, eating organic, natural food because... As we know, the preservatives and the processed food is the enemy. Is that right? Yeah, it's more the processed food. And cave women really taught women not only how to optimize their protein intake, but also how to find their own unique carb tolerance. And certainly during menopause, you know, your protein intake needs to not only be optimized, and optimal means for the average woman, at least four to six ounces of protein at each meal but also have your protein ratios higher than your carbs. So if, if you're eating about 120 to 140 grams of protein a day, your carbs should be probably around 100 to 110, you know, just making sure that you're balanced and really getting your carbs from quality sources, vegetables, fruits, yeah, sweet potatoes or white potatoes, butternut or winter squash. If you tolerate beans and legumes, quinoa, you know, just really whole food sources of your carbs. Well, let me tell you, we're very lucky to have you. Thank you for all this great information. Really excited to read your books. Thank you for being on the show. I'm just about to follow you, by the way. Great. Thank you. Great Instagram name. Great Instagram name. Thank (laughs) you. And I look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you, Kate. To do uh, another session. Thank you so much for having me. It was great spending time with you. Likewise. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed dignity kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a dignity kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.